Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. This is Paul Hawksby. And Andy Jacobs. And welcome once again to the H&J Daily, some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. Was it Tuesday the 14th of April? And uh, we were very fortunate to have Chris Tarrant on the show, weren't we? Chris Tarrant, who uh, was uh, appearing indirectly in Quiz, the big ITV drama that's uh, playing out this week, played by Michael Sheen. And he was fascinating, Chris. I think he he talked about it in ways that uh, we weren't completely expecting and took us to areas that I don't think anybody's ever talked about before about the whole case. So if you've been watching the series or enjoying the series, that is very much a must-listen. Yep, and uh, I enjoyed it too. It was fascinating stuff. Andy Smart, we had a little chat with him. Not that long, but a little bit of a catch-up with him. Uh, We played Striker once again. That was good with uh, Steve Bruce, Steve Barnes and Dance all in there. Uh, Euro 2016, we started a new uh, section of our sort of chats that we had out there. I enjoyed that. It was quite fun. an ex- uh, do you want to put Don't Ask Me in part? I don't know. Oh, yeah, Don't do Ask Me. Quite an exciting yeah, yeah. Don't Ask Me. Um, quite exciting. Maybe we'll and, Adrian's, uh, and it- Adrian's reaction in as well. <laughs> he possibly could actually slaughter me. He loves to do that. And a bit of Motti, I think. Yeah, was, Motti uh, was uh, well. played tribute to one of his footballing heroes today. So we'll, we'll bring you in a Motti uh, this afternoon as well. So uh, there it all is. I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. Uh, good afternoon, Paul. Good afternoon, everybody. And uh, I'm fascinated during this lockdown period of the things people are doing, the challenges. Geraint Thomas, for example, is doing a marathon cycle ride uh, and various things. But this one uh, caught my attention. Uh, boxer Seth Charles, 12. I don't know what sort of boxer is age 12. But anyway, went up and down the stairs 2,507 times at home in Sheffield to climb the height of Everest. So he climbed, climbed Mount Everest in his own house. But the big wow. question is... Was he accompanied by Sherpa distancing? Oh, Sherpa that's nice. Distancing. Thank you. I thought you distant, like that. Distant, <laughs> distant, distant, Sherpa distancing. I wonder if they are observing <laughs> that, Sherpas. You'd like to think. It doesn't work. Doesn't you'd like to think they would be, wouldn't you, Sherpa? It's difficult as a Sherpa. Well, I suppose it's not, is it? Anyway, who cares? The, um, but yeah, it's true. 12, you say what kind of boxer he is. Uh, rookie, I think is the word, uh, possibly. <laughs> I think so. Now, yeah. Andy, you, you have put your last yeah. few days to great use. Um, you've told us before that you've got this kind of portable table tennis net that you can put on any table. You can adjust the size of it. And you and your wife, uh, Sue, uh, has been, you've been playing really over the last 
three days. We had an extra day over the weekend. We were off yesterday. So uh, there's a before and after. You can see the first video that Andy did on Friday. And, I mean, Sue was quite terrible. But you've worked terrible. with her. Well, I mean, she you know, she was. I mean, she was blowing into it, as Woody Allen once. He had no concept of, of the instrument. But no. she... Um, but in three days... You've got a 50-shot rally. Uh, uh, I know. That's fantastic. It's not bad, is it? You're yeah, doing a lot of running around. She holds the middle ground and just hits it. But because she's not that true with a delivery, she's got you like a Matthew side playing against China's number one. She's got you running all over the place, isn't she? I put it on Instagram and I have had a very funny reaction from It's great, yeah. Liam Dacey, one of the listeners, got in touch. That it's, it's the best live sport on TV at the moment. It's not even on TV. It's a bit like our whole marriage, really. I'm sort of running around doing all the work. And so she's just, just strolling through life, just basically taking it in her stride. So that's fair enough, really. <laughs> Blimey, I, I couldn't don't say mind. that. Um, so, uh, well, well, she's so not that, in the room, so I'm all right. That's, <laughs> so that was the mad thing you did. I, I, I don't know about you. I've kind of, I don't, not sleeping the greatest. It's a lot going on at the moment. And I, like Sunday morning, I woke up quite early. I woke up about sort of quarter past seven. So I came downstairs and I thought, you know what, I'm going to watch. I, just, I was in the mood to watch a bit of football at half seven on Sunday morning. <laughs> so I, got, I went to a big match revisited October the 3rd, 1976. I did send out a picture of this earlier mm. on. It, didn't, it was Brighton versus um, Palace at the Goldstone. Uh, 27,000 people for a third division game, which is pretty impressive, isn't it? I mean, That's that is amazing. quite impressive. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they had in the big match studio after the game, Terry Venables and Alan Muller, who'd been mates together at Spurs, and were good friends, despite the kind of rivalry in the club. But the sofa on the big match was so tiny. I mean, it looks like a vent act. It looks like <laughs> Muller's is working Terry from behind, <laughs> virtually sitting on his knee. <laughs> Um, so uh, Peter Taylor had just gone to Spurs for, I think, 200 grand. So Barry Silkman, of course, a friend of Alan Brazil's, occasionally pops up on breakfast, football agent, had been brought in on a free to take over from the great Peter Taylor. Uh, referees had very short shorts. That's the other thing I noticed. It was referee Ray Lewis, who was quite well known in those <laughs> oh, yeah, days. Yeah, there was yeah. a nice ad behind the goal for Henny Penny Fried Chicken. So I thought they obviously didn't really? take off, didn't take off like the Colonel, did they? But I looked it up, and they still exist. Yeah, Henny Penny. But, but they made Henny Penny. They weren't like high street shops, like a kind of chicken cottage situation, as Glenn would call it. They were. Yeah. Um, they made sort of fried chicken machines, quite big industrial ones. So why, oh, really? why, why okay. do the people of Brighton, why are fans behind one of the goals, at the Goldstone, <laughs> wanted to buy an industrial fried chicken machine? I've no idea. Um, Probably quite useful now. Best player on the pitch was Peter Ward. He obviously went on to uh, bigger and better things. No disrespect, Brighton fans. Uh, he was very good. Brian Horton, Kenny Sanson scored an OG. Um, I've talked about the small sofa. I mean, I've logged it. Basically, I saw up on seven on Sunday morning. I've gone absolutely mad. Um, it was a poor <laughs> game. A ropey old match. Then we had Leeds. Poor uh, game. Nil, Leeds nil, Manchester United two. Um, Nigel King, your commentator. <laughs> then we had letters. And the odd thing about oh, the good. letters, the letters from the listeners... Uh, they would give full addresses out to the letters. So really? Brian Moore, Brian Moore said, uh, "This one comes from Mervin, uh, Melvin Cherry from For the Walk, Potter's Bar Hearts. You can kind of write to him." <laughs> and yeah. he just came up. And then he might still be there. Mrs. Jean Hunt. Hey, nothing, obviously, to do with life on Mars. Um, Forty <laughs> Daneshurst no. Street, Fulham, SW6. Full addresses you're giving out to the letters. She had an well, you old shirt. 
her dad had worn for Scotland, playing for Scotland, which was that kind of pink and yellow yeah. hoops. Uh, that's why she came. This is all like happened yesterday. You can, no, no, but it's very interesting because you can contrast that, exactly that, with Tracy Braben, the, I think the MP, went on uh, this morning or the rain or something like that, and her number inadvertently came up on screen. Oh, no. And loads of people just rang it. I mean, people yeah. are mad. Why would you do that? It's like... Pavlov's dog, I see a number, therefore I have to ring it. It's, yeah. So she had to change her phone. So contrast that to what you've just talked about, giving out a full address. And in 1976, and I hope nobody's going to go around to Mrs. Hunt's house. I hope she's still with us. But anyway, um, so <laughs> then we had Saints like versus still... we had Southampton Fulham with a, a young Martin Tyler commentating. And uh, this was the era of Marsh Best. And, and it's live. And it's live. Like and it's live. And Very it's high live. voice. No, he didn't. He did sound a lot younger, Mark. No, okay. Marsh Best Fair and enough. Moore all playing together. Bestie was sent off, and it was Ooh. a big do the following day. It was a huge Ooh, do. I remember that. That yeah, Bestie yeah. had been sent off for dissent. And um, <laughs> Southampton put him to the sword. Aussie and, and Mickey Shannon, they just went through him. That 4-1. But uh, the, the following day... Alex Stock, the manager of Fulham, came into the big match studios and uh, he was fuming. He was fuming that uh, Bestie had been sent off for dissent. And, of course, Alex Stock is the character uh, or the manager that the brilliant Paul Whitehouse kind of effectively built Ron Manager on. And if you listen to this, Mm. some of those little verbal ticks that Paul has uh, picked up so brilliant. You can hear them. You can always play Alex Stock, wrong manager, bingo. So do listen out from This is Alex Stock in the studio, 1976, with the great Brian Moore, talking about how upset he was that George Best had gone for dissent. Well, God almighty, physical violence is the worst to start with, isn't it? Hmm? Must be. But you can't condone dissent, Alex. I don't condone it at all. I mean, uh, I have a player sent off. And until I get in the office tomorrow and chat about it... I'm a spectator, isn't it? I was a spectator of the match, seeing the grand same when it all happened. I know roughly what happened. And uh, we should discuss it. We're Fulham. Damn me, it's only a fortnight ago we had the letter down from the FA said we're the best behaved side in England all our show. Okay? Mm. If you can tell me anybody in Fulham that tackles violently, kicks, scratches a bike, point him out to me, we've never had one. Hmm? <laughs> so there we are. Isn't it? Isn't it? <laughs> Wasn't it? Uh, isn't it? Yeah, he did a few of them. <laughs> it's amazing, didn't he, Alex? isn't it? He did a few of those. Yeah, he so did. Anyway. So there incredible. we are. That's how the that's I, how the uh, world looked. That's how the world looked in uh, on the third well, of October, nineteen seventy six. I feel I was there. It's good. And uh, <laughs> I was just before we before we move on. I was watching uh, India lockdown. This was a discussion. She's a lovely girl. NASA saying. She's a lovely girl. And uh, Harsha Bogle, and I think um, Johnny Bairstow was involved. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh, blimey. And uh, <coughs> oh. NASA asked Harsha Bogle. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Don't worry yeah, about it. NASA, NASA asked Harsha, Harsha Bogle yeah. if they're showing a lot of cricket on their channels. And he said, well, a lot of recent stuff. He said, there's a lot of Kohli on our screens at the moment. But we'll get to Session Tendulkar in due time. And I thought, yes, and Sunil Gavaskar and the Nawab of Patel. Don't worry about it, mate. We've got time. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. Oh, it's the dance mix. Um, Hawksby and Jacobs here on TalkSport. And uh, we had part one of Quiz last night, which was uh, absolutely fantastic. Uh, Who wants to be be a millionaire? Focused, of course, and the infamous um, 
Colonel, was he a major? He was a major, I should know, shouldn't I? Major, major. Ingram. That's mm. right. Um, joining us now, portrayed by Michael Sheen uh, in the, the series, Chris Tarrant. Good afternoon, Chris. Hello, chaps. You still sound like you're talking through a sock, but then perhaps you always did. <laughs> yeah, I think we did. That's, ba- <laughs> that's basically what happened. So yeah, that we'll, that's we'll my s- style. We'll soldier on. So, yeah, I will um, tell you, this, yeah. this amused me enormously just now. My missus said to me, he's got a finger on the pulse. She said, what time are you doing St. Greavesy? Which I thought was truly slim. That's good. Yeah, that's very yeah, she's a regular listener, friend of the show. Yeah, of course. Add her to <laughs> yeah, the list. Yeah, of course she is, yeah. Um, so what, what did you make of it? I suppose that's the overarching question. What did you make of the first episode? Um, I'd already seen it a couple of times because they sent me the tapes and all that. Um, it's, it's just weird. My son texted me halfway through and he said, this is very strange, Adam, watching you on television. It's not you wearing a dodgy wig. And I said, well, I'll tell you what. I mean, what he doesn't do, which I'm very grateful for, he doesn't do what all the impressionists do, you know, Mike Osman and Rory Bremner and John Coulter. They all go, hello, Chris Darren here. Tee-hee, They all do this. I've never gone tee-hee-hee in my life. And they all do it. And I think, I don't do that. He's a proper actor, isn't he? I mean, he's quite brilliant at what he does. And I'm really very flattered that he's doing me. I'm, You know, I'm well made up. But... What he does, as well as the voice, and you know this because you're radio guys, you actually, you actually know what you sound like. Most people don't know what they sound like. Those of mm. us who spend our lives with headphones on yeah. actually do know what we sound like. So his voice is quite good mm. of me. What he does do is some extraordinary, um, you know, physical movements. And I'm mm. sitting there going, oh, my God, I really do do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's There's great. one bit where I stand, I don't know what I do, I stand next to a contestant when we're waiting to go and sit in the chair and stuff. And I do this very, it's like a sort of demented duck. <laughs> I actually don't, <laughs> when I watch it, I thought, God, I really do do that. And funny, weird sort of pointing things and strange facial expressions. He's very good. Oh, yeah. He's also very likable. I met him at the um, Pride of Britain last year. And bear in mind, he'd spent, I don't know, however many months just sharing a little DVDs of me, because that's what he does. Months and months of looking at me in the tape. Suddenly this great big six-foot-two lump came up and tapped him on the shoulder. And he literally jumped in the air. It's kind of like your goldfish <laughs> getting out of the bowl and come and give you a tap when it's six foot on. He's, um, he's splendid. He's a really nice guy. I don't know. I mean, I have a, I have a basic problem with it. It's very well done. I can't mm. argue about because It's very well made, very well filmed, very well acted. Um, the bottom line is the major is a convicted criminal, and nothing will change my mind. Is that, the now, only... that is the doubt, isn't it, Chris? Yeah. yeah. The yeah, other I interesting. Mean, they will definitely yeah. sow, I mean, They are sort of sowing doubt. Certainly, when you get to episode three, and one of my, they're actually very nice, and we chat a lot on the phone and stuff and the email. But one of my one of my things about the production that I think is is unbalanced, if not actually skullduggery. I think. Um, when you get to episode three, the, the lady, I forget what she's called, Helen Somer, a very good actress, who does the QC for, for him, for the defence, mm-hmm. she does a really good sum up and says, so you must find them not guilty and all that. But they don't show at all, they didn't include any sum up from the prosecution, which in all courts of law, you always go defence sum up, prosecution summer. I remember from the actual trial, the prosecution was brilliant, and he dragged all the strands in, the coughing and the bleepers and all this stuff together. And the jury just went, well, no question, guilty. 
So it's kind of unbalanced. They do want to show that the major may well be not guilty, and sadly, I don't believe a word of it. Mm. The other inter- Helen McCrory, wasn't it? You were talking about there. Yeah, it was that's also it. In Peaky Very Blinders. Good. Yeah. Um, also, Chris, I didn't realise until watching last night that the, the, the show, to an extent, there was a feeling it was being hijacked by sort of yeah, pro quizzers. Yeah. Did you? I mean, in yeah. that moment when you were having meetings around, and you kept seeing people coming back. In uh, the thing is, they. Hmm. Um, we were sort of aware of them because you always get these fanatical quizzes on things like that, especially when you've got a million quid at stake. But I, I suppose my, my thinking about them, and it was the same then, is that they're... I mean, I used to be in a horse racing syndicate, you know, and we had all the facts and figures and how much weight we were carrying last time and all that stuff. They weren't actually, as far as we know, they weren't actually breaking the rules. They weren't cheating. They were just really fanatical and really working the odds in their favour. And I did see a quote somewhere, I think, at the Times last week, saying they, they reckon they made five million quid at the show over the years or whatever. Oh. But they were also super intelligent and very bright. Um, you couldn't go, you know, the police, the fraud squad, couldn't go back to them and arrest them, whatever, because they didn't really break the law. The major was found guilty. Don't, bear in mind, it was the police who charged him, not us. It was actually the police who, who charged him and took him to court. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, it's fair enough. There was a piece about, you mentioned your son, Toby, earlier in the piece, early in the interview, and uh, there was a bit in the paper that said, it's probably, I don't know if it's true or not, but it said, your kids used to cheat on the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire pub quiz machines. Yeah. Somehow, some, some sort of inside info. Is that true? <laughs> I mean, there is so much stuff. And it, I, I mean, right at the end in the credits, they say the Ingrams are considering an appeal. Well... It's 19 years late, and I, don't, I, can't, I can't see it happening in a million years. I mean, there wouldn't be any new evidence. Half the people involved probably died. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't bear the guy any particular malice, but also I just think I spent... I mean, I've always said I did not see anything on the night at all, but, you know, I'm sitting there, I'm so focused. And this particular show, I always remember, it's probably the noisiest one we ever did, because the guy just kept... He kept not knowing anything, and that's somehow going for the answer. And you just thought, what are you doing? Not that he's cheating. Like, where is this coming from? You know, you're a serving British Army major. You're probably on, I don't know, 30 grand a year plus rented accommodation or whatever. And you're turning down, like, £500,000 or whatever. Saying, you know, there's some famous ones where he goes, oh, Craig David. I've never heard of Craig David. A minute later, he's going, Craig David, final answer. <laughs> On the million-pound question, he goes, Google, Google. I've never heard of a Google. And again, you know, for, for a million quid, he's going, final answer, Google. And you think, where? So I'm just staring at him. I'm not here. I mean, the whole studio, you know, television studios, 250 people there. They're all coughing. They're screaming. They're cheering. They're also gasping a lot. It's like, oh, my God, what's he going to do now? Yeah. So I didn't see anything coming. But... What happened was that after the show, I made my way home. They had a massive row, as you do when you just want a million quid. They had this massive row in the dressing room. Mm. Didn't buy anybody a drink, and they disappeared. But all the producers got together and said, let's have a look at the tape. He's up to something. What's he doing? This stuff. He came back for the second day. He was on two nights. The second night, he came back. He had four grand with one lifeline left. He'd used two to get into a you know, to the £4,000 mark. I mean, most of the million-pound winners or the big winners, they never, ever, you know, they, they, they would be cruising till about 250 grand without thinking of a lifeline. Yeah. So it was weird anyway. They just got weirder and weirder and weirder. And they said, put the tape on, let's go through it. And they couldn't see anything. They ran it once, the whole way through. 
couldn't see what he was doing. And then the second time they ran it, by now we're talking about, I mean, I was home. I was home getting some kick because I was on radio next morning. That when they ran it again, one of the young editors went, hang on, there's a cough there. And they went, what are you talking about? They said, there's a cough. And they went back and back and back and they went, oh, my God, and there's a cough and there's a cough. There's one bit where Diana coughs because Tequin has stopped coughing for whatever reason. She turns around and goes, oh, final answer, Craig David. I mean, it's, it's, when you see it, I was stuck in a chair with a fraud squad for about two days before the court case. Wow. And I'm going, oh, my God, I can't believe I didn't spot that myself, you know, but I didn't. Chris, we never... We, well, we didn't see the episode, like brought, did we? They we never saw four bleepers well, uh, yes. a few days before the show. You know, why would you want four bleepers? Like A, B, C and D, for example. Mm. Um, he was involved in an insurance scam. I mean, he was arrested and charged and found guilty for insurance fraud. So he's not some sort of nice, innocent, cuddly major. Yeah. You know, it's... But that's what they're trying to achieve, and I think, OK, whatever, it's... It's very good, and it will get a huge rating. And the more I talk about it disparagingly, it'll get a bigger rating. <laughs> yeah, just sure. just a quick, just a final one on this. Um, just uh, we never the episode never went out, did it? I was, so no. it's tonight the closest we kind of see to almost a transcript. About it. A lot of people think they've seen it, but you never saw the actual show. What you saw, um, what actually happened was that once they. They called in the fraud squad. They'd, they'd done this second viewing of the tape, and they said, oh, my God, what's happening? They then called in the fraud squad. They came in about 4 a.m., um, went through the tape again and went, yes, we think there is a case to be answered. We think, you know, an arrest will have to be made, etc." And then it all took off. And on the third, we wrote, this is very complicated, but quite tedious, but worth persevering with. <laughs> they, um, they were, well, he was on the show on the Monday. He won the million quid. Um, but the date, the show was due to go out on the Saturday. So mm. in the good old days when we used to use the cheque, the cheque's date was the Saturday. So he, he couldn't actually cash his million pounds until the Saturday, even though he won it on the Monday. In actual fact, because Saturdays, most banks don't open it, probably on Monday morning. Mm. Um, and on the Thursday, there's a wonderful phone call where Paul Smith, the boss man of the, the company that, that owns the whole thing, um, Paul rang him. Now, Paul is a very articulate bloke. But he found it so weird doing this conversation. So, uh, hello, Major. Um, uh, um, uh, uh, Paul Smith here. Oh, hello, Paul. How are you? He said, oh, well, I'm fine. But um, and there's an amazing bit where he says something along the lines of, well, you know that million pounds we gave you on Monday? Oh, oh that old million pounds, yeah. Um, well, uh, there are one or two irregularities, and we're going to stop the check. So the Major, instead of screaming like you or I would, he goes, oh... Oh, well, I'll, I'll have to see the legal chap is, but thanks for letting me know. <laughs> I put the phone down, as you would. That's a so the, the check was stopped. Um, <laughs> and then we basically did a huge edit. So the person before him on the, on the Monday show, his bit was lengthened with almost everything he said was sort of put back in. And then we just pieced together a show without him. So it, wow. his bit never, ever went out. But... Um, Martin Bashir, a few months later, made a brilliant uh, documentary called The Major Fraud. And that's where everybody saw it, because that's where everybody thinks they saw him. They saw the show, but it wasn't actually part of Millionaire. It was actually a separate wow. thing. And that's where everybody's seen him. It ran in America as well. So second part tonight oh, at 9 o'clock, and it's on tomorrow. Just a real quickie. We often speak to you. You've been out on, on the road on, around the world on a railway journey. and yeah. You're often out and about. You travel a lot these days, Chris. So I imagine life in lockdown 
has been a bit difficult for you. How are you coping? Yeah, it's. Um, I tell you what, bizarrely, at this very moment, I am supposed to be. We were going to. We were three weeks of April. We were going to Moscow, then into Siberia, all on a train or several trains. Um, nice crowded Russian trains. Then we were going through Mongolia, and then into Beijing. Right. Well. Sadly, that one's been put on the back burner. Yeah. Can you imagine anywhere worse to go at this precise time? Wow. So now that's put <laughs> I off. Um, I, I don't know. It's impossible to read the situation in the whole the awful, scary world we're in. Absolutely. I suspect we won't be filming any railways this year for, I don't know, I, I can't even imagine, you know, this year, maybe, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. But it's, I'm tucked away in Berkshire with my missus. We're sort of, you know, we're hiding away from the world. It's a horrible, scary, scary time spend lots of time i'm catching up on reading a lot of books i'm doing a lot of jobs that should have been done months ago you know i'm not fishing i'm not watching football i'm not watching cricket but you know there are so many other people far far worse off than me that i just think it's just it's just awful and the, yeah. you know you put your gloves on you spray things and all this i mean we're into a a world that even two months ago none of us could even imagine ever being in you know it's, it's awful the hawksby and jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. Hawksby and Jacobs here on TalkSport. Fascinating stuff there. Chris Tarrant uh, on quiz. Um, joining us now, a man, yes. I think, who's got him out a couple of times playing cricket. We never got round to, to getting into that. Andy Smart, ball runner, comedy store player, Farnborough fan, non-league <laughs> newspaper writer, Renaissance man, uh, uh, bowler, uh, cheese chaser. Yeah. Renaissance uh, that's, that's bowler. That's all we got time now. Uh, <laughs> Renaissance bowler. Um, so, yeah, good Yes, Hello. Hello, boys. Leonardo to James Vinci. Thank you. That's nice. Yeah, yeah. That's nice. I, uh, yeah, I bowled him out twice in two, two different games, and both the worst balls I've ever bowled in my life, they went about 60 foot in the air, came down on top of his wicket, and he had too much time to think about it, swung at it, and it took the bales off. And uh, he refused to sit sit on the same table with me at lunchtime. So I was hoping you were going to ask him about that. <laughs> what? He thought you were so spawny with your bowling. He just couldn't he bring was, himself. Yeah, and he, <laughs> yeah, he was he was most upset because uh, wow. Nick Hancock organises the game. Oh, sadly, it won't be on this year. But uh, uh, yeah, but uh, Chumley Castle having us, so it's always a good laugh. Yeah, I want to keep interesting when you play cricket with it. Oh, sorry, what was you saying, Andy? Carry on. No, no, I once kept wicket to Gladstone Small there, and he was, <laughs> he was, coming, he was coming off a three-step run-up, and I said, how far is it back do you want me to stand? And he said, about 40 feet. <laughs> and it still really hurt. I had, to, I had to go to the catering tent and get some, uh, some, some steaks to put in the gloves, because it was, it was killing me. <laughs> no, it's true because we played in a match against um, Alan Mullally and he was bowling off yeah. two paces and yeah. Paul you remember this you, you played him quite well and he well, didn't like it I was I, was, I just I was, bat- <laughs> I was batting with Chris Cowdery uh, former England captain of course so uh, Chris and Alan Mullally he looks at me and he could tell that I'm, he probably thought I'm no good and he would have been absolutely right so he sent one down off a no run up I don't know sort of 50 odd mile an hour and I got hold of it Pinged it away. I actually look. I must have looked quite good because uh, Chris said to me, "Good shot, Paul." So we ran a couple, and um, I don't know if Chris stitched me up the other end. He's probably said, or oh, Mullally's looked at me. Thought oh, he's he's all right. So he, he went back a bit further and came yeah. at about seventy-five, and that twenty-five mile an hour makes all the difference. I think you're fine. It's quite scary. I didn't hang around for much longer. 
But yeah, it is. It's when you play with the pros, it's a scary business. So Andy, how has how has lockdown been uh, treating you? How are you coping? Well, I'm, I'm coping very well. I mean, I'm in my it's my thirtieth uh, day, and I'm uh, I've only been out uh, five times to the shops. So, uh, but this is you know this is a comics life prepares you for this. It's usually mm. you're either sat at home watching daytime television, or you're sat in a train station or an airport waiting for a train or a plane. So. We're used to just sitting around doing nothing. But you're not able to That's do the, the one thing you don't want to do, which is probably go out and perform and, and get the well, laughs yeah. and stuff. Well, yeah. I improvise a lot with household objects, you know. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you've always done great, that. But we won't go into that now. <laughs> I was going to say, I did a great routine with a box of tissues earlier this morning. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. T- you, uh, you're doing uh, it on you... purpose now, aren't you? <laughs> great routine with a box of tissues. <laughs> we know all about your... Anyway, Anyway, not go down that route anyway. <laughs> dance of the seven I, uh, veils, I should say, the whole of the dance of seven veils. Yeah, go on. Oh, okay, dance of the seven veils. This one for no, the teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> I know you like cooking, so you've been putting up quite a few of your meals and having a bit of fun. Oh yeah, that. yeah. That's given me a great chance to 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 get the recipe books out and do yeah. Did a very nice Carolyn curry, fish curry. That was really nice. And uh, and I've been, but I like the simple stuff, the comfort food. Like uh, uh, I have boiled eggs with uh, with soldiers with um, gentlemen's relish on because oh. you don't have to have the you don't have to have the little, little pile nice. of salt on the plate. Then you see, you've already got the salt on the toast. Yeah, it's good. The anchovy paste. Oh, look at that! What about a little one, tip there for the listeners? Really good. <laughs> I, I tell you, one one of the problems though is, I mean, I I like cooking, and generally I'm yeah. not bad, and the, the wife does cooking as well. We're both cooking, but in the end, you get sort of sick of your own cooking. You think, oh, I'd like to go out for a Nando's, or I'd like to get something <laughs> Chinese or something different. You know, that that is the. It's not so much that you can't get. I've got one friend who hasn't made the same meal twice, which is pretty incredible, really. But That's generally, you start good. to repeat the spaghetti. And now you're on the third spaghetti bolognese of the lockdown. You're thinking, oh, really? <laughs> well, what can you do? That's the way it is. You've just got to deal with it. Yeah, indeed. Um, are you still been writing your column for the non-league? Uh, oh, they still stayed online, isn't it? The non-league papers stayed online. Yeah, yeah, it's still going. Still going strong. It's sad that uh, we've lost 10 non-league clubs now. 10? Um, Team, 10 teams have gone out of business. Or they've, they've gone out of business or they've asked the league to drop down a division or two. Wow! I didn't so know that. we've yeah we've lost uh, South Normanton Athletic, Bratley Town Saints, Greenwich Borough, Marlow United, one of my favourite little grounds, little Carol's uh, Carol's uh, food shed, um, Leighton Athletic, uh, Chinor, Woodson Park, Pusey Vale, NKF Burbage, Watton Blue Cross, Milton United, and Langley Reserves. They've all they've all sadly um, been hit by the virus. Wow, so just not bad. able to compete yeah. at the level they were competing at, so either no. to move down the, the, the this pyramid a bit. Exactly, and I, you wonder what you know what, when when it's all over, where, how many clubs each division will have left in it. Yeah, at that level, um, it's going to be very difficult to actually sort out what the leagues are uh, once it's all finished. I mean, I can't see why. I, my idea would be to to um, come back in August, have a pre-season. Um, have the Vars and the trophy semi-finals and final, and then start the, and then finish off the season up till Christmas, and then start the the new season after Christmas, and just play each team once rather than play. I think that that would work. 
Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you have a half season next season. Yeah, that's not a bad idea, really. And so you think we're going to lose more, Andy? You think we can see a lot more teams going as longer it goes on? Definitely. I mean, it was it was a bad winter anyway with the rain. A lot of clubs didn't get the, to play many games over December and January because of the rain. So they were already struggling. And now with no gate receipts at all this this year, they're going to be, yeah, there's, there's going to be quite a few clubs that will go to the wall or, or they'll have to go into administration and drop down four divisions. Well, you know, that's, that's going to make it very difficult to start up again in uh, September. Um, well, Andy, we're out of time, sadly, but lovely to talk to you. Uh, keep safe and uh, we will catch up with you soon. We'll check in with you soon. All the best. Lovely, yeah. Stay safe, boys. Bye. There we are. Andy Smart there, Andy. friend of the show, ball runner. And uh, what, I didn't know that. I mean, that's obviously that, that's a well down the footballing food chain and that wouldn't get front page news of everything that's going on, even back page news. But isn't that sad to think that 10... It is sad and inevitable, really. Have gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's uh, Hawksby and Jacobs here on Talk Sport, and uh, still to come this afternoon, we will be uh, finding out how we can improve our technical skills as footballers, because there is a Joe Wicks-like uh, character out there doing exactly that. The Techers guru is uh, making you a better footballer in lockdown, as Joe is keeping us all fit, although I've been doing Joe Wicks for about the last three weeks, and I've put on about half a stone. So there we are. <laughs> <laughs> the Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from Talk Sport. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. I've been watching old 1976 big match. Behind the goal was a massive uh, advertising hoarding for Henny Penny Fried Chicken. And I thought they're yes. not, they're not uh, basically lasted as long as the Colonel. Uh, um, but I then discovered they make uh, kind of uh, they make fryers, huge chicken fryers for probably for the um, 
commercial market. And I thought, who's, mm. who's going home from the Goldston after a derby against Palace and I must go and get myself a deep fat chicken fryer. Um, <laughs> our old mate Bill Burrows has been in touch and uh, he said, bizarre advertising hoardings at football grounds. Truman's for steel atop the Kipax was legendary. Naturally, it became the go-to metal provider for a generation of young football fans. And funnily enough, Bill, I had a similar thing at Tottenham. Andy, give some thought. Is there, when you think of advertising hoardings at uh, Chelsea, give that some thought. Um, because my one was Raynham Steel. They said, I think they're still there. They've still got involvement. Uh, mm. And Raynham Steel, and I used to think to myself, that reminds me, on my way home, I must go and get an RSJ and a couple of girders. But uh, it doesn't have the instant impact. It's drip feed. But they've been a constant, advertising constant at Spurs for years. Is there one that comes to mind uh, for you? Not particularly, but I'm always fascinated by Gazprom and their promotion of the Champions League. Thinking, yeah. I never choose anyone else's gas. Like you've got a choice. If you go so, to uh, switch, can I get, can I go Gazprom if I want? Can I, I go? Can. can I go off menu? Can I have the burger? I, just... I think Gaz, Gazprom is, the, is, is like cutting out the middleman. They supply the gas, I believe, to the companies that you and I get our gas from. Right. So I don't think you can actually go to Gazprom. Oh, you might Can't I cut out the middleman? No, that's that's, that's <laughs> my name. I'm going to look into this. I'm going to go direct to Mr. Prom. And, uh, what, Gary Prom? Gary Prom. That's, that's his name, Gary Prom. is the bloke who started it, Gazprom. <laughs> and uh, I'm fascinated by this uh, piece in the Times today. Steph McGovern, who is hosting her Channel 4 show from home, if mm. you want to get a review of that, I do recommend Ali Ross's column today, uh, said funny. a portable... It is uh, said a portable lavatory had been installed in her garden. Wow. You think, what, what did she do before? <laughs> she got a toilet. I mean, how many people are in her house? I don't get it. Why does she need a portable toilet to be installed in her garden? But, um, is it a bit like somebody, like builders she coming in there, you don't want them using your loo, so you put a lot of portal loo in the garden. Has she got a crew yeah, there or is she filming it? No, she can't a... have a crew there because she has to be in isolation. She can't have people Can't they socially distance? You know, sort of, all wide shots? So. I don't know. Oh, that would be ridiculous. And uh, Dr. Jane, Dr. Jane Goodall has been uh, speaking to Prince Harry uh, during this period, and she said today he's finding life a bit challenging at the moment. I thought, yeah, join the club, mate. Thanks. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. Well, do you want me to give you an update on? It's quite. It's a sort of semi-serious uh, sporting point, but we've kept the audience in touch with it, so we may continue to do that now. Uh, we've talked a lot with uh, Matt Lawton from the Times, who's been following the Nike Vaporfly control. Obviously, these training shoes they oh, felt yeah. were yeah, going yeah. to give athletes in Tokyo a real advantage. But, of course, one of the advantages for the rest uh, of the athletes is that in the year that the uh, Tokyo Olympics has been delayed, they can get to work. So it's not going to skew the Olympics in the way that people thought. It means the other um, people making uh, training shoes out there and running shoes can get to work on their own similar, although, of course, not the same Vaporfly system. So they think the 2021 Olympics will not be skewed by by those Vaporflies. Um, because of that, That's Matt was right. So I thought yes. I would keep you updated. Sorry, it help if I had my microphone down. That's, all. That's, all. That's just interesting. The, just the 20 years. Yes, I put the microphone in front of I don't of normally now. use these. No, uh, this, this caught my eye yesterday, though. The most intellectual star text I've ever seen. I oh, mean, yeah. star texters, if you've never heard the show before... I often feature them. It is really unbelievable, some of the stuff in there. I wouldn't say it was the highest common denominator in Britain. But this one, listen to this one from Harvey in Bristol. Nice. Uh, TV cookery host Greg Wallace says, I'm aware my wife is 22, th- 22 years younger than me. 
I bet he is. He probably pays more attention to her than his grammar. Me should, of course, be I. <laughs> really? Okay, fantastic, isn't it? Really, so an internet, a sort of gr grammar point from a star texter, you've got to say, is sensational. That is very we'll good, yes. It will we'll get hammered for that tomorrow. Yeah, they yeah, don't like it if I criticise them. They, they, oh, no. Somebody, somebody imaginary comes up and says how terrible H&J are. They'll and get, so, I get, so I get sucked into your <laughs> hateful vortex. Uh, yeah, it's great, good news it? is the Taiwanese baseball mm. season got underway at the weekend. And I know Ooh, you're, a big, okay. you're a big fan. Um, <laughs> well, it's something. Yeah, we're going to be looking at some of the other sports that people have been getting behind on Lightly Sports, I think, a little bit later in the week. Andy, I did mention earlier on that I think it's... It's been an excess of... I mean, I've been doing a lot of exercise, but I've stuck a bit of weight on. I don't quite know how. Yeah, who but, hasn't? Um, you said you have, but um, Dame, uh, Kristen, Dame Kristen Scott Thomas, 59. Who cares how old she is? Um, <laughs> she, she has told everybody, apparently, that when she was wearing a corset in a West End play, she got her waist down to just 23 inches. So maybe we've both got to start wearing corsets. <laughs> corsets. Maybe that's, maybe what about that's the way forward. But listen, did you, what did you read about Tyson Fury's uh, heavyweight uh, Easter lockdown gut-busting 557-pound food delivery? Not my words. Yeah. And uh, yeah, basically, uh, he isolated in style with a mountain of pizza and top-quality nosh. Uh, chefs also prepared a portion of six-foot-nine Tyson's new favourite dish of Parmo, a Middlesbrough concoction of breaded oh, yeah. chicken and bechamel sauce. We all like that, don't we? Um, but anyway, he said uh, an onlooker. I don't know how there was an onlooker there. What, we're just waiting outside Tyson's house as this food arrived. An onlooker said, Tyson loves his grub and has a big family. He can certainly afford it, the old jealous onlooker. He said as the food arrived, we've got nothing else to spend on our money during lockdown. Think, Who was this onlooker? <laughs> Well, it's not good for the. House. It's not look. You're not good for the onlooker industry. If you are an onlooker, you shouldn't be out there. You should be staying indoors. <laughs> shouldn't be out there onlooking. You can still be a source, but you can't be an onlooker. That's you can be true. Be a source, yeah. but not an onlooker. That's it. Yeah, take that away from today's show, if nothing else. Just a quick one on food before we bring your striker. Uh, David Beckham's back in the news. You may remember he had sausage mash gravy and beans with a side of coleslaw, and his oh, yeah. followers on Instagram were horrified. Apparently horrified. Yeah. He's back this week. Shepherd's pie, sweet corn, baked beans, gravy. And coleslaw. So, um, so there we are. Uh, anyway, it's, it looks a bit of a mess on the plate, but if it's working for Dave, then it works for me. Uh, let's bring you Stryker, uh, another thrilling instalment uh, of the uh, book starring Steve Barnes of uh, Lettersford Town, hoping to get them in the Premier League. But there's been a murder and he's been implicated in it. This book is written by the Newcastle manager, Steve Bruce, I kid you not, back in 1999. Uh, let's give you a flavour of what's happened so far. One minute I'm in the locker room with the dead boy and the next thing I'm in my office, dazed. Right then, Carberry entered. I phoned the fuzz, he said. I'll have to tell the truth, Steve, to the police. There was a knock on the door. Julie, she showed in two guys, although they were in plain clothes, it was clear that they were police officers. I was there, Eddie Carberry said, when the murder happened. I saw him, bending over poor young Duffy, and the murder weapon in his hand. You're clearly an important witness, Widdison continued. So be sure not to leave the premises. So yeah, that's where we're at at the moment. Um, and, uh, well, I think, I think we've got our eye on Steve's assistant manager. More of that later. Let's get the latest instalment, read by Steve slash Ian Danter. You're clearly an important witness, Widdison continued. So be sure not to leave the premises, 
Chief Inspector Shannon warned him, as he too stood up and led Carberry by the arm to the door. Julie came in with two coffees, my cup of tea, don't forget I like chamomile now, it's beautiful, and more biscuits. Right, I said. Where shall we begin? Well, the beginning's usually the best place, Shannon replied. He didn't look at me directly. He examined a biscuit as if for incriminating evidence before finally deciding to bite off a small piece. I found him in the locker room, I said. With a knife in his back? Just as Eddie told you. Did you place the knife in his back? Shannon asked. Be serious, I said, and I smiled broadly, though it was a smile born of embarrassment rather than of having said something comical. I am being very serious, Steve, Shannon said. Murder is a very serious matter. I nodded. I too was coming to understand the seriousness of my position. Who was the murdered boy? Was it Pat Duffy, your new centre-forward? Yes, it was, I said. Let me take you to the locker room. Not yet, Shannon said. We don't want people going in there and messing with the evidence, I said. We've sealed off the area, Sergeant Willison told me. Have you seen the body? I asked. Yes, we have, Shannon replied. And what was your conclusion? I asked. That the young man was certainly dead. The pathologist will be able to tell us the time of death, Sergeant Widdison said. I can tell you when Pat Duffy died, I said loudly, to within ten minutes at least. I think I should warn you, Chief Inspector Shannon said gravely, that you are not obliged to see anything. Well, there we are. Steve's right in the yeah. clarts, isn't he, old Steve uh, Barnes? The yeah, he's in trouble there, yeah. Yeah, Still, he's got his chamomile right. tea. I think yeah, that was that's, from... That'll calm him down. That'll calm him down <laughs> in a murder charge. So, anyway, um, was that was uh, brilliant, Ian Danter, bringing uh, Steve's book to life as Steve. Still haven't heard from Steve. Hopefully, he's, he sometimes pops up with Alan. So, maybe he'll do that and uh, uh, tell us what he's made of it so far. Um, but Dance has, has uh, put out some of his fine work from uh, back in the day when he was working up in radio in Birmingham together. He's doing his balmy old podcast. You can get it from Apple Podcasts, wherever you get uh, your podcast. If you're listening to The Boys on Drive, you would have heard a brilliant um, Jim White song yesterday. But he's got a Mr. Man story. He does a, a mean um, uh, Arthur Lowe and other fine stuff. So go and check out his podcast. It's a lot of fun. I've downloaded the latest one. I'll have a listen later on. But, uh, yeah, go and check it out. Ian Danter's balmy old podcast. There'll be more from Striker tomorrow. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. Danny, I can see you. Get, move the table, tennis table. You and Sue, you could turn Sue into a, a technically brilliant footballer. The way your coaching works at the moment, I, I could see no reason why within five days she's not, on, she's not playing for Chelsea. If, if only she could do it without moving. I had one, one bloke just said on my Instagram, underneath it said, have you nailed Sue's feet to the floor? But that's the mark of a good player, someone who's making you work, making you do all the work. To be fair, you're hitting the ball straight back back at her, and she, of course, is just whacking, whacking it all around the table, making you work. I know. It's good stuff. Um, I, have a, I have an update on Steph McGovern's toilet, if you want oh, to okay. know. Yeah, well, Steph, yeah, it's like a fanzine, yeah? Tell us. <laughs> uh, Sal, one of our producers, has said that he believes that uh, Steph has a production crew in her garage. Uh, 
Oh. <laughs> I don't know how that works. And that's how they're social distancing in Steph's garage. I don't even know how Sally even knows about Steph McGovern's garage. <laughs> but anyway, apparently does. And that is the reason she's got this portable toilet. Thank goodness we all know. I said to him, I'm not actually that interested, to be really, really honest. But it was nice for him to let me It was. Know. I'll sleep easier tonight. I don't know about you. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from Talk Sport. Giles. Gray. Joel Dora, what a great save by Benetti. What a tremendous save by Benetti. And as Gray pulls this in, what's the flick? And then the great save. A tremendous effort, reflex effort by Peter Benetti. Yeah, fantastic performance by uh, Peter Benetti in that cup final uh, against Leeds, especially the first game where he really kept Chelsea in it and took them to the replay. Of course, they won with Dave Webb. Mm-hmm. Header. Um, terrible day Sunday, wasn't it? Uh, to lose Peter Benetti, uh, Sterling Moss and Tim Brook Taylor all in one day. It was sad news. And joining us now, a man who I didn't realise. Mm. I mean, I, I kind of guessed he would have loved him as a player, but John Motson joins us. Uh, Motty, good afternoon. Hello, hello uh, Paul. Hello, Andy. Uh, and but Peter Benetti was one of, your, one of your very favourite players of all time, wasn't he, John? Well, he was, and I'll tell you one reason why, because my dad used to take me to Chelsea um, many years ago, and I actually saw Peter Benetti make his debut in April 1960, 18 years old, against Manchester City at Stamford Bridge. And just to show you how long ago it was, Paul, the goalkeeper at the other end was Bert Troutman. Wow-wee, that's amazing. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I obviously share your love of Peter as well, John, because I grew up as a Chelsea fan. And he, he was an amazing goalie, Peter Benetti, especially in terms of his size and his... Pre- you know, he was quite a slight sort of bloke, but he was a brilliant keeper. Yes, he was. And I mean, I remember being standing on the shed for one game against West Ham. It finished Chelsea 5, West Ham 5. But never mind the goals. The thing that uh, stuck in my mind was a save that Bonetti made from Martin Peters' header, and when he twisted in midair and covered almost the whole of the goal with his dive. I mean, he was so agile, uh, Peter. Um, and you know, if we just forget for a moment the World Cup of 1970, for which he's sometimes unfa- unfairly blamed, um, he was also in the squad in '66, by the way, although he didn't play. Then there was that cup final you mentioned uh, against Leeds, um, and of course the Cup Winners' Cup, which he also won with Chelsea. Now he played over 700 games, Andy, um, and you will know that only one man has played more times for Chelsea than he did. I presume you're talking about John Terry, it must be, surely. I'm talking about Ron Harris. Oh, Ron Harris. Oh, there, you're better on these things than I am. Well, no, don't, I, I just thought... Don't, it, don't, don't ask me about pl- stats, Motti. That's your department. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I, I wasn't. I was just going to say only two players have played more than 700 and something games like that. And, and it, yes, John Terry would be next in line. But, um, yes, Peter, Peter played for 20 years. Um, and... Finally, when he, when he finished playing for Chelsea, he went up to the Isle of Mull and he had a couple of few games for Dundee United. Um, and then last, well, when was it you very kindly sent me to Aston Villa just before Christmas, uh, uh, Paul? Uh, and I was walking out of Villa Park after a game against Southampton. And I got stopped by a lady in the tea room and she said to me, uh, I think you might remember my, my husband. Um, and I said, well, I've, I don't know, who is it? She said, oh, I'm married to Peter Bonetti. Oh, wow. um, 
And wow. that was last December. But she did tell me he hadn't been well. And, of course, the sad news came through on Sunday, as, as you mentioned there, a particularly sad day. Um, and uh, Peter had passed away. But uh, he, is, he is a legend in, in Chelsea history. There's no question about that. Um, oh, and incidentally, just <laughs> I listened to a discussion about, about advertising at football grounds. When yeah. my dad used to take me to Chelsea, there was a big sign on the side of the main stand as you walked down, and it was for Bovril. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, Bovril. Like, I don't right. think they can afford the Champions League advertising. <laughs> Jimmy anymore. Greaves advertised Bovril when he was playing. He did. Chelsea. You're right. Oh, he did in, in the Wembley program of that time. He wow. did. Yes, and uh, I was quite a keen Bovril drinker myself. I remember growing <laughs> up. So there you go. <laughs> Pele once said that the three greatest goalkeepers he ever saw were Gordon Banks, Lev Yashin, and Peter Bonetti. And, when, and you, the fact he lived in Banks' shadow, really, he didn't get a lot of England games. And, of course, when he did, in some ways, it's so unfair that his international career is kind of defined by that day uh, in Mexico when England were 2-0 up and lost 3-2. And a bit in the Telegraph there, you've probably read it, Motti. Yeah, the, beautifully the, written, by the way, yeah. yes. I don't know who's written the piece. A very good, a very good obituary. But he sort of says that you know he took all the flack for it, Bonetti, and he did make maybe a mistake for one of the goals, the first one he, he should have saved. But uh, the fact that Alf Ramsey had taken off Bobby Charlton as well as Martin Peters to save them, uh, no one really ever talked about that, and Peter Bonetti used to get well, all the flack for it. It's funny you should say that because when he died on Sunday. Um, the television showed a few clips of that match in 1970. Not not the Beckenbauer goal, I hasten to add. Peter made two very good saves in that match, you know, that nobody ever remembers. Mm. No, that's very I true. I thought when you, when you brought up Pele there, just after Motti's comments on Bovril, I thought we were going to get Pele's view on Bovril. <laughs> <laughs> Pele can't stand um, Bovril. He really, <laughs> really? cannot. It makes him gag. <laughs> I'm, I'm speaking for the man now. I've got no idea. My I don't guess he's, I don't guess he's a, he's a, a Bovril drinker. Motti, um, I was going to ask you today the most dramatic game that you ever commentated on, but I think it was... It wasn't that long ago, considering the, the longevity of your career. And, and also, I think it was on over the weekend, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Uh, Jermaine Genus did his three f- uh, most famous matches on uh, after match of the day on, on Saturday night. And the first one, funnily enough, it was the most dramatic game I've ever commentated on, I think. Although I hadn't seen the highlights back until right. Saturday. And this is um, a North London derby. Arsenal 4, Tottenham 4. I'm sure all yeah. Arsenal fans and Spurs fans will remember it, including you, Paul. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was just a quite unbelievable game. So some really mad you, goals in the match as well. Yeah. And, and what I noticed as well is that Arsene Wenger was wearing a much shorter coat. Because in those days, he was much younger and he didn't feel the cold. As you yeah. get older, you do feel the cold more, I find. <laughs> yeah, so he went for the full length, almost down to his ankles yeah. coat. Well, well I, I think the context of that game, uh, Andy, was the fact that although Arsene Wenger had been at Arsenal forever, Tottenham, in the time that, uh, at the time of this game this was, Tottenham, in the meantime, while Arsene Wenger had been manager of Arsenal, had had nine different managers. Oh, yeah. And on that night, and on that night, the ninth of those, as it was then, was Harry Redknapp, who joined only a few days earlier when they were bottom of the league with only two points. They beat Bolton on the Saturday, I remember, 
And then this North London derby came up. And at that time, Tottenham had a terrible record away to Arsenal, going way back in the Highbury days. And Harry himself, I think, had had a very poor run of form when, he, when he'd managed teams who'd played Arsenal, particularly away from home. And so on that night, everybody was expecting Arsenal to win. Um, and then, of course, we had that amazing start from David Bentley, um, who faded from the scene remarkably quickly after scoring a goal like the one he did that night. And the goals just kept going in until uh, Aaron Lennon finally equalised for Spurs in about the 94th minute. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, and that caused something uh, that was pretty historical at TalkSport, wasn't it? This clip gets played a lot, but that yeah. was the moment that it happened, wasn't it? Should we the moment the fourth goal went in, Stan Collymore and Danny Kelly were broadcasting and uh, we had a reporter... Uh, at the game, so Moose, uh, I think it was. Uh, was it the Moose? It was. It was the Moose. Yeah, let's bring you that moment—a bit of a classic talk sport moment. Nervously over their shoulder, but goal, 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 stand goal at the Emirates. Ian Abraham in the last of the four minutes of added on time. Unbelievably, Spurs have got a point. Arsenal four, Tottenham four. Unbelievable football at the Emirates. I love Danny football, Kevin. Stan. I love it. That'll be Danny's book. Danny's football book. Well, I love football, Stan. I love it. I think I, that's brilliant. I, 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 I want to ask Motti something that I've noticed, and I wonder if he thinks this will happen once we resume football. And Motti, in the old days, before the team, before really before the Premier League became very commercial, teams didn't come out together side by side and then line up and then go along the line and shake. They used to run out, you know, separately. I actually preferred this. It's a bit more like a sort of American basketball where you each team or American football where each team comes out separately. And I've got a feeling that we're going to have to go back to this sort of single run out because of distancing. that sort of thing. So it'll be interesting to see whether they do that. Well, um, of course, in those days, when the teams came out separately, that was the first time the fans had seen them. There was no warm-up on the pitch 15 minutes before the game, believe it or not. I always remember Alan Hansen telling me that all he did at Liverpool before a game to warm up was to touch his toes in the dressing room, Um, which seems unbelievable now. But now you've seen the players out there with the cones and the and the and the physio uh, denoting what they've got to do next in the warm up. Um, So perhaps I suppose they. The Premier League have turned it into a little bit of a gladiatorial entry now, haven't they? Uh, yeah. for, for, mm. With the referee picking the ball up and all that kind of thing. Um, but I, actually, <laughs> I don't know what you boys think. Uh, when football finally comes back, there might be all sorts of things that either we haven't noticed be- before or, 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 or changes to the, to the way the game is presented. Yeah, that's Oh, absolutely. True. It's bound to be, yeah. As long as we've got it there, I shan't complain. Yeah, I mean, there is talk, John, isn't there? I mean, of there not being any kind of major gatherings potentially this year, certainly to the end of the year. So the idea of us all getting together, 60,000, 50,000 of us or whatever, uh, a football match may not be happening. And, you know, this side of Christmas, that's a possibility. Well, I hope it doesn't come to that, although one has to say what part of the reason the coronavirus struck so heavily in the, in the northern part of Italy was because the last game to be played there, I think there were 60,000 people in the San Siro, weren't there, standing shoulder or sitting or standing shoulder to shoulder. 
and people thought that was a source of part of the outbreak uh, in Italy. So we're going to have to be very, very careful. Well, all sports events are going to have to be very, very careful, aren't they? Uh, and when football does come back, whether it's be- I think it will be behind closed doors initially, yeah. uh, but social distancing is then obviously going to be an issue. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Talking of cricket, I watched the uh, greatest hour on Sky Cricket yesterday. It's, the, it's just the last hour of, of Leach and uh, Jack Leach and Ben yeah. Stokes' partnership. It's so exciting because it, it's not a highlight, it's the actual whole bit. and it, It's a brilliant hour of telly. It was just as exciting as it was at the time. Like a lot of people that day, when we think back to where we watched it um, unfold that last hour... Um, because a lot of us were at football matches that day, and so it was within the bowels of the new lane that I watched that first on uh, somebody's um, laptop because the club decided on his phone, should I say, because uh, the club decided they weren't going to put it on the screens. Then they realised that what was going on, and thankfully Spurs for Spurs ba- backtracking, that could yeah, be happening. exactly. It's another <laughs> classic example of Spurs backtracking because we kept going up to people in blazers saying. Get the cricket on. You realise what's happening. We don't want to watch replays. We want to see the... Cr- and everybody was crying out for it. And then for about the last 15, 20 minutes, it became this big collective thing with all the fans. It was a brilliant atmosphere. So I'll, I'll treasure that because normally I'd be either be there or watching it at home. So to watch it in a football ground was very strange. You know, I recommend you watch it again. It really is. It, I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, we're going to talk a bit of Barcelona tomorrow because there's been some right goings on there. We'll hopefully get Terry Gibson on tomorrow. But Ivan mm. Rakitic has criticised Barcelona for trying to force his departure last year. He said, I'm not a sack of potatoes. You can do, I think a bag of flour might be more useful. For yeah, that's not, they're not state. easy to come by at the moment, are they? <laughs> they aren't. They're really difficult. They are and, still playing uh, in... I'm sorry, Andy, carry oh, on. Yeah. yeah. No, no, carry on. I was going to say, they are still playing in uh, uh, Belarus, aren't they? You're probably aware of this. In Belarus, they're still playing oh, yeah. their football there. And uh, you probably saw that um, people paid to have mannequins of their own faces at the stadium. So a crowd of a 1,000 was there. There were some real people, but less people have been going as they wise up to what's going on. <laughs> but that's been happening in Germany as well. Cardboard cutouts. So it may be when the Premier League comes back, we'll be asked by all our clubs to send in a photograph of us in our normal seats and they'll just put our name on our face on cardboard cutouts. So uh, without the, the swearing, I would imagine. But uh, that's, I, I quite it like may it. come to that. You're exactly right. I was going to say I have a cardboard cutout of Jimmy who sits behind me, but with a tape of somebody swearing on a loop repeatedly <laughs> without, without repeating themselves. Mm. I, I am quite fascinated by... I've often asked Moose this, and it's a journalist thing, This, and I'm not a true journalist like he is, and like Dave Kidd, who wrote about it this morning. I, said, I often say to Moose, why do you ask a manager a question when you know he can't answer, when you know he can't... Like they used to say to Pochettino, uh, do, what, are you happy, Maurizio? You know, what's he supposed to say? You know, he obviously wasn't happy, and in the end he left. So this is about the Premier League gagging Sky Sports and BT Sports from asking stars about the resumption of the season and the impact of the lockdown. And you think, what's the point? What football? You can get, you can yeah. go up to any professional footballer and say, to you, "When do you think the season's coming?" But you go, "I don't know. I haven't got a clue. I don't know as much as, much as you do." You and asked. So, I do think sometimes. You, yeah, I think they asked the question on the off chance that one day you may. I mean, this is the thing. You've got you, you still have to stick at it because you kind of know what they want to say. They're just not able to say it. But they may be that you may catch them at that moment. When they're ready to go. I mean, four years ago, we used to do a little feature in, uh, in 90 Minutes called Young Guns. We'd look at a young player 
and uh, and sort of talked them up. It was only about a sort of hundred word little piece, little box out piece, and we'd often phone the manager to ask them about this young player. So my my colleague then Dave Cotswold phoned up a manager. Uh, because we had a player in mind, and I definitely because of the language, spare the player and the manager uh, their blushes. But um, phoned up about this young player. Little did we know that that manager was in the midst of contract talks, and that young player was asking for a lot of money that he didn't think he was worth, and even if he did, he was sick of dealing with his agent. So Dave caught him at a moment when he wasn't in the greatest of moods and didn't think uh, as much as that young player maybe you would have thought, considering he'd been banging in goals for his team. So this manager starts off by saying he's got two good feet, he's fast, he's got an eye for goal, he's this, he's that, he's an international. And then he suddenly stopped. And he said, I'm sorry, Dave. He said, to be honest, he said, you've caught me at a bad moment talking about this boy because at the moment I think he's a hat with two left feet who can't play for sixpence. <laughs> and it was, it was the very worst of swear words that he, that well, he described hoping, him with. Maybe they're hoping somebody will come up with that, but I doubt So you can what now and again. You can, you can hit yes. the mother load with a, that's why you asked the question. Anyway, let's, uh, let's like take Like I said, back. I'm, not, I'm not a journalist. Okay, yeah. go on. <laughs> let's take you back to France, 2016. We brought you our, tri- our road trip to... Um, Russia in 2014. We're very fortunate to, to spend a, a week in uh, France as well for the uh, Euros. And um, we're going to kick off day one. I think the night before, we had actually, uh, or the day before, sorry, we'd been at uh, a game. So I think that may be reflected in day one. We were a, from pair, we were a pair of anchors. We were. Literally, that we were anchoring the coverage, believe it or not. Uh, they never asked to do it again. Make of that what you will. But anyway, here, here it all is. Good afternoon, Paul. Good afternoon, listeners. Good afternoon, Paddy. Paddy Powers with us. Good afternoon, gentlemen. How yes. are you going yeah. Oh, we're having a lovely time, as Good Paul course. was explaining to you there. We're staying in a beautiful hotel. Yeah. Slightly better standard than an open prison. Yeah, yeah well, yeah. Yeah, I'm, better I'm in, slopping out facilities. I'm in cell 1124, I think it is. You're in cell 1123. And uh, I've got a job in the kitchens. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. Talk sport have done us proud. And he does the garden. <laughs> well, I wanted the library. They reckon it's a cushy <laughs> job, but yeah, I didn't yeah. quite get that. But. There, there are two hotels with the same name, belonging to the same group. And uh, Friday night, when we got here, uh, a producer sent us to the wrong one, which okay. was about, yeah. oh, about a mile. But said, oh, it's 500 metres down the road, about a mile in the pouring rain. But Actually, the other day, our producer, David, doing a fine mm. job for us here, he, uh, we, we decided we were going to rendezvous yesterday about 9.30. Mm. And 9.35, you start getting twitchy, so that's a back, black mark. You, you've got to be punctual. <laughs> what happens this morning, Dave? 20 to 10. Yeah. No sign of him. Yeah. Was there? I am what they call the talent. I'm oh, allowed yeah. to be late. <laughs> <laughs> You're having a laugh. <laughs> the talent. Have you listen back to any of the shows? <laughs> the talent, indeed. And uh, one thing that happened last night, we were out for, for a meal. It was very good, wasn't it? We a bit reluctant to serve us for some reason. <laughs> but in the end, we persuaded. England fans. No, it wasn't that. Really. Uh, it, was just, just ever, it was just so busy. Yeah. He said he, they said there were too busy. There were 11 of us, to be fair. Yeah. Big, big table. And uh, the bloke came along with a, a, a whole uh, platter of charcuterie, as they say. Cook or, meats. Cook meats. Cook meats, Moose. Cook meats. Yeah, exactly. And he dropped them on the floor. He did, yeah. He did. It was tremendous. We all enjoyed it. And, uh, and then they started washing them. Yeah. They were running it. They were running it under the tap. Not the bread, obviously. Yeah. That had gone. So uh, I do not reckon- a great thing to see, like salami being run under the tap. I just do remember to be brought out once again. I do yeah. recommend their wash salami. Yeah, it's very nice. Really, really nice. Incredibly clean. <laughs> Matt Holland last night, especially walking back to the hotel, um, there were big gangs of sort of uh, drunk Irish lads, all wanted a picture. 
loads of them. But they'd spot him, and then about 20 would crowd yeah. round. But he was as good as gold, wasn't he? Yeah. Uh, taking pictures. And uh, at one point, I said to him, how many caps did you get for Ireland? So he said 49, you know. And Doddy is producer said to him, do you regret not getting 50? Yeah. Do you ever feel bad about not getting the 50? <laughs> yeah. right. Stick the knife yeah, in. Not until now. Now I'm probably going to aspire on depression and drink. But thanks so much. It was incredible. Uh, now, there was something else uh, I was going to talk to you about. What was it? You've got an extensive list of bits there. Well, it could, could it be David Brady's trousers? No, it wasn't. Uh, it certainly wasn't that. But uh, what, what else did you, what else have you got for us? I'm then? fascinated by his trousers. I'm sorry, I didn't want to refer to him. He's a lovely man, David. We've worked with him for years. Our it? Irish correspondent. But yeah. you, you were talking about Wayne Rooney's smooth Botox head the other yeah. in the first hour. And I was thinking, what an amazing contrast to David Brady's creased trousers, which are were the cre- most creased trousers I've ever seen in my life. Really? I so you know notice stuff like this? Well, because I used to be in menswear. I, I wouldn't give him a second. They're like war correspondent's trousers. Do you know, like he's like he's like he's he's he's, he's been to Narman back in them. And, I feel like buying him an iron, really. You know, or even a Corby trouser press that he could take round with him. Yeah. We were watching. We were sitting in the bar last night having a meal and a drink, and French TV was on. And it was obviously football experts, Marcel Dessay, Robert Pires, people yeah. like that. Arsene Wenger. And what a completely yeah, different... Yeah, a studio audience, doesn't it? Yeah. It's a kind of... It's a, it's, a, it's a kind of a question of sport meets punditry, wasn't it, really? Yeah. They have a bit of a quiz and stuff. But what a completely different bloke Arsene Wenger is yeah. on French TV to how he is in England. I mean, he was... You know, he was oh, our producer took photos of him because he couldn't get over it, wasn't he? he was, well, he was quite jovial, wasn't jovial, he? Jovial, he, was quite, he was yeah. entering into the whole spirit of it. Relaxed. He looked very, very relaxed. Yeah. Completely different, Arsene Wenger. Apparently... <laughs> Apparently he told the moose that uh, he said uh, your afternoon show is very aggressive. <laughs> he doesn't like drive. I don't think he meant us. I think he was possibly talking about uh, uh, Adrian and Goffey. Eight years of hammering him with a daily arsenal. It's not surprising. The afternoon show is very aggressive. So what else uh, have you spotted, Andy? You've got this great big long list there. Of well, it's getting shorter. Nonsense. Well, that's all right. I'm sure there's... Uh, I'll tell you what we more. did notice yesterday, and it, it, it has a serious element too, of course. At the roof of the Stade de Bordeaux, there was sniper... Uh, Rifle, yeah, blokes. What snipers? Snipers, yeah, on top of the roof. Yeah, obviously looking out for trouble and looking out for stuff. And there was there was spotting as well and filming. But I mean that is high. I would not stand on the top of that for a million quid. I wouldn't stand yeah. on that roof. Well, look, to be honest, mate, with your eyesight, there's no way they're going to make you a sniper. <laughs> Really? Can you imagine? As a, the world's worst <laughs> sniper. Yeah, it would be hopeless. It'd be terrible. And the rake of that stadium as well. It's a beautiful stadium designed by Herzog and Demuren, who did the bird's nest. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I love the way you knew their name. Did you look it up, or did you just know? Uh, well, I, 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 I read it, and I remember They it. did a PPI claim for me. They're very good. <laughs> they are. Yeah. They're very famous architects from Switzerland. Yeah. And, uh, well, <laughs> you know Although it's funny. It's, yeah. uh, Jim Proudfoot, our commentator, mm. inside the stadium, it's fantastic. And outside, when you get close to it, it's quite intriguing. Mm. But when we were sitting in the media centre looking out, um, Jim quite rightly pointed out it looked like a next distribution centre. <laughs> it did. It's an old... Just off the M6. Outside of the building, very, very odd. Just, yeah. When Jim and Matt were commentating, how good they are, really. I mean, yeah. it's so interesting to see, be able to watch the game and hear them. And I, I made the point at the time, yeah. it'd be great to take them to football with me every week. Mm. But there was a big monitor on front of me, in front of me, because uh, it was a press area. And I found myself... 
for quite a long period. Watching, watching the telly. The, watching, I think, I might as well be at home. Yeah. What am I doing in the stadium? I had to stop myself watching the monitor and watch You the turned football. over at one point, didn't you? <laughs> I did, yeah. Watching uh, neighbours. Arsene Wenger's quiz show. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Very Fantastic. funny. We're going to hear from some of the fans. Uh, we'll get some guys up from uh, And from during the break, we'll have a look and see, you see if we can find Packy Bonner's phone. Oh, yeah. Packy Bonner's phone went missing yesterday. Yeah. So if, uh, if we got... Somebody got Packy... Colin's got Packy Bonner's number. <laughs> Perhaps he could ring so if we get If we get Colin Murray to ring Packy Bonner, <laughs> and if we... We'll all be quiet. Yeah. We'll see if we can, all, see if we can get Colin That's on. That's a good we'll idea. Get, get organised, <laughs> and then we can... Uh, I'm Packy Bonner dropped his phone. I mean, to be fair... Although with those gloves, it's hard to do the numbers <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we'll see if we can find it for him a little bit later on in the show. It's somewhere in the pub. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Don't ask me to leave it out or turn it up. Here we go then. Don't ask me. Five questions for Andy based on last week's show. He's had an extra day to think about. That could be good or bad. I don't know. And also, you decided, Andy, you thought it might be better that we do what we used to do, which is start at the start of the week on Monday and work our way through to Friday because we've done it the other way and you've been having a bit of a mare recently. So we will go back to last <laughs> Monday. We'll go back to last okay. Monday. We spoke about Sunderland Till I Die, the documentary, with a former Sunderland player. Can you guess who that player was? We, we, we spoke to a former Sunderland player? A Sunderland player about uh, Sunderland Till I Die. I think, you know, a process of elimination Did would we? get it to you it's very... A former Sunderland yeah. player. A former Sunderland player, Sunderland Till I Die. And he gave his opinions. He had quite player. forthright opinions on it. I mean, how many Sunderland players <laughs> do you know, Andy, that, that uh, have an involvement? I'm trying to give you as many clues and involvement with the station. Kevin Phillips. Yeah, that's um, one. Yeah, yeah. Who appears on the station him. every week. Come on, I'm making uh, it out of you. Oh, Mickey Gray. Mickey Gray, yeah, come on. That's almost, <laughs> that's almost the wrong answer. He wouldn't have got it otherwise. Okay, Tuesday then, we spoke to uh, we spoke to a commentator, Stuart Pike, who's been doing commentary of what goes on mm. in his high street. So he's a commentator, and he's calling himself Stuart Pike, man with the what? Oh, Mike. Yeah, that's right. That's man right. I'm trying to spoon feed it to the man with the mic. Of course, I'm Stuart God. Pike. Um, Justin Morehouse that. showed us his amazing co- oh, yeah. collection of what last week on Wednesday? Justin Morehouse. His amazing collection, collection of what? Of... Now, did he show it to us physically? Uh, no, he couldn't, he could he? We're in lockdown. He must have described it. Yeah, his amazing collection it's... of what, Justin Morehouse, last week? Have to hurry, Adrian awaits. Uh, baked beans. Wisdoms, a great big wall of wisdom. Oh, wisdoms, yeah. You even right. talked about it. Wisdoms. Oh, yes, yeah, so we did, yeah. uh, We spoke to Jeff Thomas about the uh, the great 4-3 win in the FA Cup as the anniversary mm. uh, last week as well. Who scored the winner that day with a header? Super who? Alan Pardew. Super, Al- Super Alan, Alan Pardew. Pardew. That's it. And uh, finally on Friday, um, we spoke to John Cross about who's blueprint to bring back EFL football. Can you remember it was? Rick Parry. He did pretty Rick well. Parry. It was Wisdoms what did for you. And Mickey Gray once I eat Well, I wouldn't have got I wouldn't have got Mickey Gray. Let's be honest. <laughs> it's on every week it's on the station every Friday. I know. Anyway, that's us. Honestly, yeah. Well, sorry. Andy, I was just going to say, Max, Max, and Charlie. I heard they did this, and it was from the last time they were on together, which was the twenty eighth of February. And Charlie did better than I did, which is brilliant, isn't it? <laughs> Doesn't bode well. Thanks. Anyway, uh, we'll see you no. tomorrow from one. Uh, have a fine evening. Coming up next, Goffin Adrian with Drive with a special guest aide.
We have, yeah. I, I just can't believe how useless he still is at that. He, I mean, he's compared <laughs> Wisdom Collections with Justin, for heaven's sake. I was listening to it. You talked about the Yellow Wall. How did he not know it was Wisdom? <laughs> and how long did it take Andy to get Mickey Gray? I know. It's just unbelievable. He should ring up Mickey now and apologise. <laughs> that absolutely should have. Record it so we can hear it on the show tomorrow. <laughs> the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. So there we are. That was this afternoon's show. Yeah, you did get a bit of a coating from Adrian there, didn't you? <laughs> Yeah, he loves it. He, he loves, loves me, it. really. He does. Of course he does. It's all good sport, as they say. Um, and we'll be back tomorrow from one. I do hope you can listen live. If not, the podcast will be available. Just a reminder, the Clips of the Week podcast is also out there. You can listen back from last Friday. Download it at your leisure from wherever else uh, you got this podcast. So uh, keep safe, and uh, we will catch up with you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.